0: Hello, I'm Sumo Bowes. Welcome to the Net Hero podcast. Apologies, a little croaky on the throat, but uh, it's these uh, weather changes we're having. My gosh, sunny, and now at the time of recording, it's miserable and cold. But is this actually climate change? or well, perhaps not. The reason being, <clears throat> there's um, <clears throat> a really interesting study, have a look on FutureNet Zero, that extreme weather patterns are not new looking back at what happened in Victorian times. It's a study done by the Met Office and the University of Reddit, which looked at data on Victorian weather patterns. And it reveals that rainfall records from the 1850s outdo what we're looking at now. So it said 1855 was the driest year on record. And November 1852 was the wettest month ever, even to this day. So what they'd be looking at, they looked at five million weather observations and, and they kind of concluded that actually, There's a lot of climate change that's been happening all the time. Now, does this mean that what we're doing is folly, you know, trying to follow a zero. No, I have actually always said that what we're really trying to do is stopping ourselves from polluting and destroying the biosphere of this planet. But I've always had a slight doubt about how uh, weather patterns and weather events can be blamed directly on climate change, and this data is really interesting, and it reminds me of a story I did many, many years ago, more than 24, five years ago, when I was working at the BBC, and I, I went and did a study with some scientists down uh, in um, Hampshire who were looking at peat bogs, and they were doing core samples, and they found that actually there was a lot, a lot warmer, drier climate uh, in sort of London and the southeast during the roman times so look i'm not saying that what we're looking at in terms of kind of where human activities is is folly but i do think that we have to make a difference between long-term changes to our climate and basically weather so that's an interesting story i would certainly suggest that you catch up on lots of other stuff has been going on uh, the last uh, week or so particularly you know seeing these changes in cities, you know, Bristol has, has gone, you know, really gone for it with trying to become a, a zero emissions city by getting a loan, a half a million pound loan to try and change its infrastructure you've heard of what's gone on in Oxford. Uh, it's trying to do its thing. Although the story about the Oxford mayor did make me laugh, that he'd gone to a climate conference and flown there to France. Mm, I want to think about that sort of stuff. Uh, And we've also seen real changes in what you would consider to be um, the heart, the the grounds, the real home of oil and gas, so in the Middle East. Now, we've been covering uh, a project that's been going on for, oh, it must be about 12 years now, in the UAE. It's a place called Mazda, Mazda City. And it's created as a sort of concept city for cleaner energy. Well, it's now uh, announced just this week, again, Riyadh Future a 40% increase in its clean energy capacity. So that that is kind of stunning. That's showing that actually it's become a, a real kind of showcase for how things are possibly changing, even in the land where uh, oil is cheaper than water so lots more changes there. now obviously all the stuff that's happened with Ukraine has led a focus on you know what are we looking for our energy generation one thing that I said right at the beginning of this year I said this was the year 2022 where we had to do right rather than talk and one of the areas that I think has been lost is how we improve energy efficiency which is a subject of the podcast this week and it's a story i think is really fascinating now it's based on this idea that came from holland i think originally called energy strong which is um taking an area and uh, retrofitting redoing it making it as energy efficient as possible nottingham city council has, has done that they've done it in an area where they've taken 12 really leaky awful old council houses and they've made them pretty much zero carbon. New insulation, new heat systems, windows, doors, you name it. It hasn't been cheap, and this project, I think, is near enough about £70,000 a home, so it's a lot of money, uh, and it's been funded, but it shows what can be done as a showcase for where we need to go, which is to take the poorest people, the ones I just mentioned, hurt, hurt by these energy rises the most, and can we do something about improving it so i caught up with councillor sally longford who is the deputy leader of the council and in charge of sort of the energy portfolio to explain what was going on she told us a little bit about kind of the background to it and why she believes councils across the country should be looking at these kind of radical projects so have a listen now one of the things that really has to be done if we're going to get to net zero is looking at our housing stock, not just our housing, but our, all our buildings. And the problem is, you know, we can always build new things which are cleaner, greener, but what about the places that we already live in? The vast majority of this country is 50, 80, 100, sometimes 200 years old housing stock. How do we bring those properties up? How do we retrofit? Well, a project in Nottingham has done just that. Um, I think it's supposed to be the first in the UK to pilot a, a net zero carbon transition for 12 homes, council houses, in the uh, Slitton area of the city. And they've been turned into low energy homes with a, a very different approach. It's been done with retrofitting, with lots of new systems. And it's been done as part of the council, Nottingham Council's ambition to be uh carbon neutral by 2028 so that's not far away six years uh joining me uh on the net hero podcast today is sally longford who's the deputy leader of nottingham council and uh sally i understand you kind of lead on the energy side of things as well is that right i do that's
1: right my responsibility as a portfolio holder is for energy and environment and so obviously this is key to the work that we're doing at the moment yes
0: paint a picture for people because kind of you know people all know nottingham you know many people around the country will know and if you're from abroad you'll probably think of you know either nottingham forest or or robin hood but but what sort of city is it and what sort of areas is 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 it have i I pronounced it right snenton
1: snenton
0: Snenton, sorry yeah um
1: nottingham is a a city of, of regional significance it's what the what in the uk we call a core city and it's very important economically for the whole region and it has many of the same issues as other cities which have gone through industrial growth in the during the victorian era and then a transition to a more service-based economy and these properties in snenton snenton is a an inner city area, which is very mixed in terms of housing. Uh, Many of the homes are still Victorian terraces, but there is also a significant amount of social housing. And these houses that are, um, and bungalows, which are being transformed are social housing that was built in the 1970s, I think, but with very, very poor quality insulation and they're very, Prior to this work being taking
0: place, they are very drafty
1: and cold and difficult to
0: heat. So, the, this area, I mean, if you, you kind of get the image that Nottingham's quite a nice, well-to-do city, but it had, you know, cause there's other parts of you know, say the Midlands where people go mm, suffering from sort of the, the industrial hangover. Um, it's not the case, though, is it? There are areas of deprivation in Nottingham.
1: Yes, we've got some areas of severe deprivation in Nottingham and um, many of our citizens are are struggling, particularly at the moment with with inflation and um, Mm. higher rates of national insurance and energy prices rising. They're very anxious about the future. So um, we've had a programme of trying to tackle fuel poverty for a long time many years we've been working to reduce the rates of fuel poverty in the city and we've had quite a significant amount of success over the years but obviously now with the energy crisis those problems are going to become even worse i'm afraid and so it's really important that we press ahead with these sorts of energy efficiency work to make people's lives to help them cope with the future prices of energy and to also at the same time tackle carbon emissions
0: yeah of course so tell us about these 12 houses i think there were some houses and bungalows right so what sort of condition you said they were 70s are they kind of like low rise houses you know two up two downs and who are the people living there
1: council tenants our our own housing supplier um nottingham city homes tenants obviously people not on generally on high income um, yeah quite a few of them in particularly in the bungalows tend to be retired and disabled people mm-hmm. um and as i say the these sorts of homes which were not designed really for with high levels of insulation and uh, very inefficient
0: there's so mass, a massive bills yeah for people who least in them yeah
1: and there are, and we have many of the quite a lot more of these properties to go at, yet yeah, we are on a programme of of improving many of them in the city because they are the hardest to to heat the homes that we have in the city. So priority for us is to tackle those and
0: and get the best possible results for the tenants. What what did you do? Talk us through the things that were changed because I know there was like solar panels and stuff but can you give the listeners an idea of the things you changed?
1: So they were heated using gas central heating so that was the first One of the first things that came out was the gas boiler and the supply. So they were provided with super level of insulation, external wall panels and the roofs and new doors and windows and obviously all the surrounds improved. Then solar PV on the roof with battery storage, a smart metering and a whole monitoring program for the block and uh, new energy efficient heating, which uses a combination of ground source heat pumps, which is a communal service, and individual air source heat pumps
0: with storage. So
1: they've been transformed from really low tech, old fashioned. Sounds very,
0: very cutting edge, sounds incredibly cutting edge.
1: Yeah, and, and very attractive to look at the transformation as well. So they not only have they been transformed in terms of their thermal efficiency and energy usage, but they have also they also look dramatically
0: better. That's <laughs> always a big thing. Um, how much did it cost for the 12 oh, houses?
1: A lot of money, I'm afraid. Um, this is why it's uh, so difficult to do on a at scale at the moment, because... I'm not absolutely sure about the exact price for these, but we've done some in the past, which were 70,000 or so per house. So clearly it's the Rolls Royce end of retrofitting.
0: So um, how, how did int- you afford it? Because we know local authorities are under pressure. You know, you're looking at close to sort of nearly a million pounds for 12 houses. It's a lot
1: yeah it's been funded through the european regional development fund from the dream project and it's going to cover 138 homes this particular project it's obviously very important to get that funding because as you say local authorities just haven't got that level of finance at the moment for that sort of investment the british gas eco demonstration action fund also supported the projects and this is one of the issues that we have is that we have to bid for yeah. these for each of these projects individually, what you need is a consistent program of funding which will give you a pipeline of projects that will give people confidence that it's that the right things are going to happen. And then you get contractors who are who are able to plan for the future and develop their businesses alongside this sort of work.
0: We have a lot of um local authority people that listen to this podcast, and they're probably all in the same boat as you which is. Sounds what you know, no one wants people to be suffering, particularly, you know, we just come out the winter, but cold houses, when you're older, and when you even when you're younger with young families, it's not nice. But, you know, this kind of bill to do what's, you know, like you said, the Rolls Royce. You're very lucky to have the money. Where, where would you where what could you do without it? Are there any measures you could actually afford to do to look at your housing stock? Because clearly th- th- this is a fund that will do. What, about 140 homes, but you, you must yes. have thousands of homes across uh, Nottingham. So what, you, what are you going to do about that? Because otherwise it's kind of, you know, I don't want to say it's nothing, but it's kind of, yes, it, here's a kind of vanity project, here's a few houses that have been done.
1: I wouldn't like to call it a vanity project because these are the worst of the worst. So these are tackling the absolute uh, really difficult ones to deal with. There are other projects underway to give a more modest level of support to not just council tenants uh, but also through other social housing providers and also homeowners so that people can access things like solar panels. We've got 500 homes getting solar panels. uh, They're low-income homeowning households in the next few months. We're onto other insulation projects and other projects which are providing um, lower carbon heating options for for tenants and and residents. So there are a variety of different projects underway dependent on on the particular circumstances for each different type of property and each different tenancy or, or, or ownership arrangement. It's it's a complicated business and really
0: each area has their own challenge. What are your plans? I mean, I think if, if I'm right, you, you were the person who sort of set out the target for the city to be carbon neutral within six years. Are you a bit nervous about that?
1: Of course, nervous, yes. But, <laughs> um, but it is a, it, it was always going to be a challenge and that was part of the reason for, for setting that, target. We knew when we set the target that we were ahead of many other cities because we had already made quite a lot of steps in the right direction. We'd already got a very well-used and quite integrated public transport system, for example. And we had already made quite a lot of strides in terms of insulating properties so we were already on a path towards a more sustainable future and when when it came to the need to declare an emergency and set a target I had discussions with officers about what was feasible and what we should go for and they agreed with me that we should go for something very challenging because Nottingham has a reputation for being at the forefront of this and we need to maintain that position it's important to us as a as a city so we agreed that 2028 was going to be challenging but that we should go for it and that's that's how we're how we're working we're working at pace we're engaging with a variety of different partners organizations in the city businesses and we have a great deal of support across the city for the plan so i think it is, it is challenging. It's never going to be easy. As we've discussed, we have issues with many homes which need additional work, and we need to encourage people to leave their car in the garage or sell their car yeah. and and take up yeah. other, other means of transport. But we're determined to do the, everything we can to reach that target, and we are making significant progress.
0: On the retrofit point, you know, which I think is, is one that no-one would really argue with right people can argue about cars people can feel you know that they're being bullied a lot of motorists but let's not do that let's let's leave that to another time but on the retrofit side of things you know what you've done here is a great example as you said what have you got planned for that because as you say you've got money from a project here but clearly for you to reach your targets transport is one thing but you know housing We, as i said right at the beginning that's a really big thing for us to bring our, you know how much you know the, the classic thing of the infrared camera showing how much heat is escaping from all our houses in winter mm-hmm. um what what are your plans on that in terms of kind of how you will try and fund uh the retrofit challenge for nottingham
1: well we will continue to bid for a variety of different source of funding and we're hoping that other councils will take up the energy sprung idea and, and yeah, can you
0: explain that energy sprung
1: yes it is this this whole house retrofit system which was developed in the Netherlands and that is what these this project in Snenten is based on it's obviously cutting edge at the moment but if we can get more councils more organizations doing it the cost of the components will plummet because you need a pipeline of projects to be able to mass produce the components And you need companies to take up the
0: opportunity to
1: deliver these
0: products. So what what you're saying is the more local authorities bid, the price will come down and it becomes more affordable for all of them.
1: Indeed, indeed. It's like any new technology, isn't it? If you develop a thing that works and that is proven to be effective, it's likely to start off expensive. But once it it can be rolled out across a, a large market, then the price inevitably comes down. There is nothing inherently expensive in the components, if you like. You know, we know that the price of solar panels, for example, has plummeted since since they became a, a normal part of the construction business. So, you know, the same thing can happen with all these components that we've been using in energy sprung in in nottingham um and i know that lots of other councils are looking at energy sprung as an option because we all we we all have these really difficult to cope with homes it's much more effective yeah to to deliver this sort of whole house retrofit than it is to knock it down
0: and rebuild what that was a, a question i had which is have other councils approached you and said you know sally what are you doing what can we learn i,
1: I was talking at, via some colleagues who in energy sprung i've delivered um, a webinar to uh, a variety of organizations councils in the south that are that are looking at energy sprung because if you think about it these properties are not fit effectively yeah. not fit to live in sure and as time goes on they're going to be less fit to live in the cost of maintenance of them is extortionately expensive and they're not comfortable and they're not decent quality homes so 70,000 pounds sounds like a hell of a lot of money but when you put it, it in the context yeah, yeah. but when you put it in the context of rehousing those tenants
0: i get and- it yeah. and
1: building new then it it isn't such an extortionate amount of money and if we can bring that price down then it will become something that is accessible to more and more people and I, I think it's you've only got to talk to our to the people who've benefited from it and they yeah they they feel their lives feel transformed
0: and that's what I was going to ask what have they said
1: well they're they they find it absolutely remarkable that how their heating doesn't come on because because their home is so warm and it makes a huge difference to the
0: comfort of living in these places because well, what about the technology I mean my mum's 18 you know all the stuff stuff if I can't even say right well what we have to do is put in a smart meeting. I don't want a smart meeting and all that stuff how, how are the slightly older people uh, that you've got there have they adjusted because it, a lot of this stuff is very smart yeah and it needs kind of you know, apps and things to work, or have you sort of taken that out of their hands?
1: It's very. It, it is a much more simple system than you might think. You right. know, given given the options that people have, you know, it is very much more uh, straightforward, simple system than you might assume, and it means that basically the, the the thermostat is set and the heating operates as needed, and it means that they're. Heating hardly ever is needed because the homes are so well insulated that they they stay warm, um, yeah. and people feel like you know. I've had people say to me that they feel like they've had a blanket thrown over there, a big <laughs>
0: duvet, a big duvet thrown. Everyone over loves there. a duvet day, yeah, absolutely. Um, my my last question is this: you you look at where you are, and that's great, and you did say that you know you you're going you know, to apply for more funding. But do you think that for this to really happen across the country, we need to look at there being either a precept or something in council tax that pays for this? You're gonna have to raise the revenue. You know, grants will run out. Eventually you as a council, all councils, will have to find the money from their own budgets for this. The government have to step
1: up. They're, They're talking about tackling the energy crisis. This is the way to tackle the energy crisis. You know, if, the, if we put solar panels on every south facing roof and insulate homes, there will be no energy crisis because we won't need to use anything like the energy that we're having to use now. And this is what we should be doing. The government needs to invest massively, for, not just for to reduce carbon emissions, But for energy security purposes, we cannot be dependent on despotic presidents of of dodgy dodgy warmongering countries for our oil supply and and our gas supply. We have to become much more independent. And that doesn't mean returning to coal. It means investing heavily in renewables and insulating Britain. That's what's needed. And that Uh, that way, we have a long-term solution to these problems.
0: That's a fine point to end on. You sound very, very determined in your your quest to make make Nottingham a more insulated place to live. (laughs) Um,
1: Absolutely. It's vital for the well-being of our citizens and it's vital for the future of humanity. You know, I have a two-year-old granddaughter. I want her to live in a good place with yeah with a decent standard of living and unless we tackle the climate emergency
0: we won't be in that position brilliant place to end Sally thank you so much for your time pleasure Sally there thanks very much for her time and it is definitely worth uh, reading and checking that out and if you live up in Nottingham then go and have a look at those uh, houses because I think um, it's a really interesting concept which is you know to to redo Because as she said, you know, pulling down things, rebuilding them isn't isn't the answer. It isn't the answer. We need to retrofit. And I think energy efficiency retrofitting is one of the key, if not the most important part where we go on our net zero pathway. Uh, Before I go, some great news. Um, You may have seen it already, but we've got Will Emmett, who's the head of sustainability at uh, TalkTalk, confirmed as the latest speaker for The Big Zero Show. And The Big Zero Show has been oversubscribed. So we're increasing the numbers, that's right. We've hit, uh, we've surpassed our target 500. So uh, the demand is exceptional. So we are now upping it to 750 so there are now 750 free tickets so do apply uh, get your free tickets because popular demand as they say means that we've got to respond with it's phenomenal thank you so much for all of you who are attending and have shown interest in it. and if you'd like to exhibit if you'd like to be part of the show then drop us a line as well thanks for listening and the podcast is very much Close to almost 10,000 downloads, which is phenomenal. So uh, really appreciate your support. Please spread the word. And if you want to be featured, remember to email us. Until the next time. See you later. Thanks for listening to this Future Net Zero podcast. Please follow us on social media and subscribe to the website at www.futurenetzero.com. Future Net Zero. Better business, better planet.